0: Hi there, this is Jen Lawrence, and you're listening to The Workplace Edit, a podcast for people development professionals, HR executives, and business owners who want to make work a better place to be. On this podcast, we talk about ways to address the talent gap, tackle reluctance to return to the office, deal with employee retention, burnout, discrimination, and other workplace issues, all with a trauma-informed lens. Welcome. Happy New Year. Welcome to the inaugural issue of the Workplace Edit. I used to have a podcast called the Midlife Edit, which tackled issues that were of interest to midlifers and midlife women in particular. And part of my work with that podcast and some of the coaching work that I was doing at the time um, was dealing with people going through midlife career change. And I kept seeing themes that were similar, you know, age bias, um, difficulty relaying their transferable skills to recruiters using software, um, just the desire to quit work to prevent burnout or sickness. You know, the same kind of patterns came up over and over again. And at one point I thought, you know, rather than coaching people to deal with these obstacles on an individual basis, Wouldn't it be more interesting and beneficial to actually look at some of these issues at a systemic level and look at organizations that are tackling some of these issues face on, you know, dealing with discrimination, looking at widening their talent selection policies to be more inclusive of people with perhaps gaps on their resumes, but excellent transferable skills? And since my first career and first love was training and organizational development, um, I decided to shift my business back to this area and help organizations that really want to start to do work differently and that recognize that nothing gets done until the people of an organization are cared for. Um, You know, business is really little more than people creating and providing products and services to help other people. And the key in all of this is people. Um, I worked in investment banking for part of my career where, you know, there's very much an emphasis on finance. But at the end of the day, deals would either succeed or fail based on the people, Um, how engaged the people of companies that were involved in a merger, say, were, Um, the strength of the people on the management team. You know, we could come up with these intense, in-depth, tested projections. But at the end of the day, if the people were not on side and engaged, things failed. And so, you know, I see over and over again an emphasis on other areas of business, Um, you know, sales, finance, marketing, But at the end of the day, you know, all of these things are done by people. And it's really the, you know, people development or what we used to call human resources side of the business that I think is the key to making businesses succeed. And so, you know, part of what I want to do in this podcast is to explore some of the people development, you know, trends, um, changes, as I think there's going to be a shift post-COVID to organizations realizing the importance of people. You know, right now, there are lots of good organizations being held back because of a talent gap or because they are having trouble um, keeping workers or because workers are being burned out and are deciding to quit to preserve their health. And, you know, these things are not a surprise, Um, I think if you look at the systems underlying these organizations, how people are compensated, how people are treated, um, how, you know, rest is treated, how, you know, this so-called work-life balance is treated, you will always see why some organizations succeed and other organizations do not succeed. Um, And so, it's my passion to look at some of the organizations out there that are doing things well. I mean, I think we can all look at the news and see, you know, mass layoffs and people losing $44 billion in a week. Um, You know, we see all of these kind of um, debacles when it comes to organizations managing their people, but there are also some organizations doing some terrific things. And that's really what I want to focus on in this podcast Um, The other thing that I think makes this podcast a little bit unique is I take a trauma-informed approach. Uh, Over the pandemic, I was doing some coaching. I was working with some high net worth folks navigating divorce, some um, senior people wanting to change their careers. Um, And I think for a lot of them, they were running into these blocks of trauma where they were very smart people with lots of resources. But because they were feeling traumatized from, you know, whatever experiences they'd had in life, they were found it harder to make good decisions and to build systems and to move forward. And I think in a post-COVID world, we are looking at a fairly traumatized work population, which is why we are seeing people burning out and quitting. And, you know, we're seeing uh, a lot of aggression in the workplace, you know, I think it's because we are dealing with a traumatized population. And unfortunately, the current work world isn't particularly good at helping people regulate, emotionally regulate themselves on the job. In other words, you know, sort of take those levels of trauma and trauma reactions down. I think they do the opposite. You know, we see a lot of Um, problems with organizations, whether it's workplace bullying, micromanagement, you know, firing a lot of people over email, you know, these, this all adds on to the trauma that a lot of people already have. And I think that's why we're not necessarily seeing people bringing their best selves to work. It's not because they are, you know, lazy or unmotivated. Um, It's because they their brains are in a state that they just they're worried about security and survival and feeding their families. And so when people are in that state where they're worried about, you know, their mortgages being expensive because of inflation or the cost of a commute, they're going to be making decisions that don't necessarily align with the goals of an organization. So the goal of this podcast is really to you know, provide some tools and look at some case studies going on in real time um, where we can learn how to make work better. Um, and so in keeping with that, I wanted to go over, you know, it's the beginning of 2023. It's the new year. There's all of these articles about, you know, what does the future of what most people call human resources, and I'll get into that more in the podcast. I don't like thinking of people as resources, Um, you know, people are people. So, um, but there are some HR trends, trends in the people development field that we will be seeing in 2023, a lot of which stem from the experiences over the past couple of years with COVID. And I thought it would be interesting just to discuss some of those Today, So recently there was an article um, on Bloomberg. They did a survey of workers to see what they wanted in 2023. So, you know, number one is always going to be a healthy salary. I mean, inflationary pressures are real. People's paychecks have to stretch further. And so, you know, paying people well is always going to be number one. In addition to that, though, there were, you know, another of a, a number of other things that came up. So remote work, it's really here to stay. Um, you know, before COVID, it was kind of 5% of work days were done from home. As of December 2022, that number is 30%. And most of the experts who are studying, you know, work kind of how the workday is shaped up, thinks that that number is going to stay around 30%. Um, There are some jobs that cannot be done from home. You know, if you work at a restaurant, if you work on a manufacturing line, you physically need to be there. But all in all, there's probably going to be about 30% of workdays that will be done from home. And most people seem to think it's going to be a hybrid model that wins out, where people will be in the office, you know, one or two days a week, And then they'll be at home the other days. Now, employees love working from home. Bosses do not love people working from home. Um, And some of that are valid reasons. You know, teams work well together. And some of them are not valid reasons. You know, bosses just sort of want to maintain control and micromanage people. So I think the challenge for organizations is really to discover why people want to work from home. You know, as humans, we are hardwired to be social, you know, our survival depended on us being social and really living our lives in community. And so when people choose not to do that, um, because, you know, studies show adult loneliness has gone up. Adults are lonely. And so, you know, it doesn't really make sense that they don't want to be in the office with other adults. And so you have to get to root cause. If people are not choosing to come into work, why is that? You know, in some cases, it's they're not being paid enough to live close to the office. The commute is expensive and time consuming. You know, some people in some cities are commuting for over an hour each way. Um, And if they can eliminate that, they save money and they have more time. So, you know, what can organizations do to counter that? Is it flexible hours so that they're, you know, not going with the rush hour? Is it a hybrid schedule? Is it paying people more? Um, you know, each organization is going to have its answers, but the key is to ask those right questions. Um, in some cases, people want to be at home because they experience a lot of micromanaging and bullying at work. Um, you know, there's a lot of workplace aggression. A study came out just before the holidays showing workplace violence. And it is a real thing, and it's also real within, you know, white collar jobs. And the rates of aggression tend to go up as salary goes up. Um, it's just not talked about. You know, they were able to get to this information through an anonymous survey. People don't necessarily go to their bosses with it; they just tend to leave. You know, and so one of the reasons sometimes people want to stay at home is they don't feel emotionally safe at work. And so, again, asking the question of why people don't want to be among peers when that is a a human need is an important question to ask. Often people don't have time to get personal things done. You know, if you need a passport now, it's this kind of all day effort and people need time off to do that. People need to pick up kids from school and daycare. People need to go to the dentist. And so it's easier to balance all of these things when working from home because, you know, if you don't have a call, you can kind of pop out and do a few things. Um, If organizations want people back in the office and there are benefits to having people working communally for a certain period of time, then they need to really look at this root cause and find out why is there resistance to returning to work? And how can they craft some form of schedule that provides employees with what they need, but also provides the organization with what it needs? So that is really kind of the number one issue for 2023. Um, related to that, and these are all a little bit related, Bloomberg found flexibility is something that employees really, really want. So they want to, you know, choose where they work. And they also want to choose their work hours, you know, and, um, They want to be able to get the family stuff done and also get the work done and kind of choose when they do it. Now, there are benefits to providing employees flexibility because they're happier. There's been some, you know, productivity tends to go up when people are, are working more on their own terms. There's more engagement. But by the same token, there are losses. You know, when employees work together in community, There can be tremendous value in terms of, you know, creating ideas together and having diversity of thinking on a project. So it really is a big task for people development folks to figure out how to harness some of the benefits of communal work in a way that also works with employee desires. So lots of organizations are appointing like a chief remote officer to help make this happen. And they also work to, you know, help some processes that tend to be done better in person, like employee onboarding for new employees, training and development, team building exercises, you know, how you can do that in a remote or hybrid environment. So that is a a, a big challenge. There's also a challenge around burnout because, you know, they... Um, Microsoft was actually the organization that found that employees were working a triple peak work day. That's what they call it, a triple peak work day. And they were, you know, rather than kind of having a productive morning and then some time off for lunch and a productive afternoon like you might have seen in, you know, the 1960s, people were working in the morning, working in the early afternoon, taking some time off to deal with family issues, you know, kids after school, and then were going back to work at about 10 o'clock at night, that seemed to be the peak was about 10pm. And that is late, that's carving into people's sleep. And so there is a challenge for people development folks to help employees get their work done, you know, and be accountable and get all the deliverables met, but also not be like not sleeping to get that done. You know, so helping employees figure out what are some boundaries? If if work and home life are starting to blend more and more, such as they did over COVID, um, how can there be some boundaries so that folks are being productive, but also aren't being burned out? So that's going to be a really hot topic for 2023. Um, related to that, because we're people and all things tend to overlap and intersect, um, is this idea of sustainable work. Um, and And, you know, Bloomberg noted this and this is their terminology. And I think when we think of sustainability, we tend to think in terms of like the environment, you know, having a sustainable like H&M says that their you know, clothing business is going to be sustainable because they're going to be reusing a lot of things. That's that's how we tend to use that term. But there's a lot of um, sense that, you know, if we're seeing people as resources and again, I don't love that term then we need to look at there being some sustainability. We need to look at a regenerative economy or regenerative work styles so that will build in periods of recovery. You know, we're asking employees to do more and more as there's been layoffs and, you know, so-called efficiencies. um, People are being asked to do more and more and more and they're getting burned out. So organizations that are able to build a regenerative system where there are built-in breaks that protect against burnout. You know, if you work in manufacturing, um, assembly lines will have kind of a period of pause for maintenance because if you just run them and run them and run them and run them, they will break. I think people are starting to realize that the same holds true for human beings. You know, you can't just run them and run them and run them or they will break. They get sick, they burn out, they leave. So smart organizations are redesigning their systems to build in some space for employees to recharge. And that's going to be a really big focus for 2023 and beyond. Um, financial benefits. You know, people, people's drive, the underlying drive for human beings is to be safe, You know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Tony Robbins, you know, whoever's human needs model you follow, people need to be safe. And financial security is a big part of that. We live in a time of inflation. And so employees are very interested not only in good salary, but in some benefits that help them stretch their dollars further. So, you know, tuition assistance elder care, child care, health benefits, um, all of these things that help offset some of the rising costs of living are something that are top of employee minds. They are less concerned about retirement. And that's not because, you know, suddenly people aren't concerned about retirement. It's simply that their current needs are a lot more pressing. They are worried about paying the bills next month. And so organizations that can address that are going to be very attractive to employees. Um, Job security is the final Bloomberg point in terms of what employees are looking for in 2023. 2022 had a lot of very well-publicized layoffs. And a lot of layoffs, like over text and email or Twitter, and, you know, I think people are just very concerned about job security, especially as we head into what seems like might be a recession, and especially during inflationary times. So new recruits wanna make sure that there's some job security before signing on with a company. And current employees wanna know that they're gonna have a job next month, next year, Um, And if they don't think that, they're going to spend a lot of time looking for new work while on the job. Um, When you threaten someone's security and safety, and financial security and safety is a big part of that in the modern world, you know, people are going to react and they want to get back to a place of safety. And if that's with your competitor, then that's with your competitors. So I think the smart organization is going to really work at making people safe. And part of that is around... You know, what can you provide in terms of job security, you know, in terms of contracts and that kind of thing? And what is the messaging around what people have gone through? If your organization has just gone through a big layoff, the people that are there are going to want to know and be told that they are safe. Um, One of the troubling trends that we've seen in this area is, you know, companies rescinding offers to recent grads and co-op students. You know, the reputational damage that this does to a company in terms of future talent building far exceeds the savings of these, you know, relatively low salaries. So I think HR's role is really going to be to step into a strategic, you know, a strategic position and start to challenge, you know, the CEO and other C-suite individuals that, people decisions need to go well beyond the quarter. We've been so conditioned over the last couple of decades to have this, you know, quarter by quarter response to things, you know, driving shareholder value up in the quarter and reporting to the shareholders, even if we're not a publicly traded company. And I think, you know, HR, people development needs to be the kind of the ethical center, the heart center, and also the long-term focus center of the organization and to constantly remind the management team that investing in people is a long-term game. And so, you know, cutting people to have a short-term impact on quarterly profits has an impact well beyond those dollars Because even the people that were not let go are going to be more fearful. They're going to be operating from a place of trauma as they've seen, you know, colleagues they like leave and their workload increase and they fear for their own security. So I think that's going to be one of the key roles of HR in 2023 is to step into a more strategic role and to start to guide CEOs and others in the people decisions. Some other trends um, when it comes to employee wants that I've seen are a very strong desire for salary transparency. There's nothing worse than working in a job for five years only to discover that you've been making like $10,000 less than your colleagues. It's just not something that an organization can undo. And so salary transparency, it just makes things fair. And it's very, very important. So salary transparency is, I think, something that HR should be pushing for. Um, And if there's any shift that I think would really benefit folks in HR is they need to move from being seen as gatekeepers in an organization to being strategists, to saying like, we really understand people and what makes them tick. We understand how to align behaviors with organizational goals. And, you know, we need to be listened to when we have suggestions around salary, communication, promotional paths. And the more transparent things are, the less likely there is to be discrimination because a role pays what a role pays. Um, The less likely there is to be, you know, perceptions of unfairness the less likely there is to be you know, gossip and conjecture because the information is simply there. So I think that's one of these things. I don't know if we'll see it necessarily in 2023, but I think we're going to start to see a real push for that over the next five years. Um, discrimination and systemic biases are also something that needs to be you know, actively dismantled in a real and meaningful way. No longer can an organization simply say, well, we have a DEI committee. I mean, I think they need to show real commitments to creating a more diverse workforce. And that's not simply because it's like the right thing to do or, you know, it's legally correct or they want to prevent lawsuits. I mean, that is the bare minimum. I think organizations need to do it because organizations that have diversity of thinking make better decisions. They better reflect their customer base, They're simply better companies. And so I think we're going to be seeing that more and more and more. And not simply lip service, but actually creating systems, you know, whether that's recruiting systems, promotion systems, um, communication systems, uh, training for managers that really actively encourage a more diverse workforce, get some of the biases out of the system that have been discriminatory and really start to create organizations that reflect our world. So, you know, those are some of the exciting things that are coming the way I think of organizational professionals in 2023 and beyond. So I think 2023 promises to be another challenging year. I mean, you know, I think we all thought COVID was just going to be over, kind of like a war is over and we'd all celebrate and get on with everything. I think we're finding that more and more we're just having to live with certain things. Um, And that is really changing the way that we do business. And so I think it'll be another challenging year, but I think it's an exciting year. Last year, I saw more and more dialogue around the importance of the people side of the business. I think for the first time, we are starting to really see the chief human resources people officer as a path to CEO. You know, I think people are recognizing like, you know, and I, I was a finance person for years, so I'm not dismissing the importance of finance. But at the end of the day, finance is kind of after, after things have happened, right, they measure stuff, they, you know, what did the balance sheet look like? What are the assets, they kind of come along after and Yes, they plan things like, you know, acquisitions, but unfortunately, they don't always take the people side of things into account. Acquisitions don't fail because the finance guys got the numbers wrong. Acquisitions fail because there was not engagement from the new organization. People didn't buy into the new organization and they didn't get the, you know, kind of synergies and benefits of convergence that they had hoped. That's why acquisitions tend to fail. And I think that people on the people development side of things see that. I think they have more of a crystal ball into that kind of thing. And I think more and more they need to be at the table when important decisions are made. And I think we're starting to really see that within kind of the Fortune 500, that it is starting to be a path to being the CEO. And it is a role that is becoming extremely respected. And it's getting paid better, you know, because at the end of the day, um, you know, as people development people know better than anyone else, um, how we pay people tends to show how we view them within an organization, the importance of their role. So I think it's a really exciting time for business. I think that, you know, as terrible as COVID was, I think it has changed the way that we see people, sickness, burnout, the importance of health, Um, you know, I think it's really been a bit of a tipping point that is going to have spillover effects onto organizational life for years to come. And if you are listening to this podcast, I assume you are in that side of things. And so um, I think it's a very exciting time to work in the field. And I look forward to having a podcast episode out each week to discuss some of the changes as we see the people development side of things elevated to a much more senior and strategic role in the organization. I hope you have a safe and happy week, that you are still feeling well-rested from the holiday season, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Cheers. (music)